Hey everyone, this is Chad. Thanks for stopping in to listen to my latest sermon. I really appreciate that you have, and I hope that you find the content helpful. If this sermon is particularly helpful to you, or you think it would be especially valuable to somebody else, do me a favor and share it with them. Also, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, would you please leave us a rating or review? Doing so will help our sermons be heard by more people, and as I've said before, we think that's really important. The other thing that I want to tell you before the sermon plays is that Easter is next week. I hope that wherever you are, you will find a church to go to. Easter is a great time to begin a relationship with God or to renew a relationship with God, and I hope that you will find a church and go. If you're in our area, we would love to have you at our service and at all of the events that we have surrounding Easter. You can find out about all of them at creeksidebiblechurch.org slash Easter. I have had plenty of turmoil in my life, plenty of hardness and difficulty and sadness and struggle and uh, plenty of things that have affected me on the outside. You know what I mean? Like divorce of my parents when I was a kid. Uh, that also then affect me on the inside. My first memories in life uh, are all bad. I think from a very young age that, that I understood that life was not going to be that easy. My very first memory is my parents having an argument. Uh, I don't even know if it's a particularly bad argument, but it's my first memory. And I honestly thought it was a, a, almost a fictional memory until my mom moved back into that apartment complex like, 25 years after this argument would have taken place and as soon as I walked in to see her I was like whoa I remember this and and so I I just I I mean fighting right and we know that turmoil comes and then my second uh, memory is that we got in a car accident and we were headed back from my dad's graduation and somebody ran a red light and hit us and I remember uh, being in a car on the side of the road and my grandpa I think yelling at people and not this grandpa that goes to church with us a different grandpa um, yelling at people and and just being scared and and most of our lives like from what time we're just little children we experience we experience difficult things that not only cause turmoil on the outside but the the real problem is the real struggle I think if you're anything like me is that it produces turmoil on the inside the things that come at us also produce something in us that that is difficult we stress we worry we're scared we're frightened we fear we we don't know what's going to happen or what has happened we don't know what the next step is and we worry and we we just struggle and and that seems to be something that the world will try to do to us from the time we're little from the time we're just children we got a bunch of extra young people here this morning. Nice to have you guys. And, and uh, you know already, I don't know how old each of you are, but you know because you live that, that at your young ages already, life has not been perfect and there's been things that you've had to deal with and they stress you out and you just went to a great concert, but you're going to go home and, and you probably have things that when you get home, it's not going to be the way that it should be and you're gonna show up at home and you know that there are things that are a struggle that not only are bad on the outside, but because they're bad on the outside, they cause discord and struggle and fear on the inside. And, and I think as, as our video showed, 
And as we all kind of know, all of us desire peace. We all want peace. And I don't mean peace in just like the tranquil, calm, I'm sitting on an island and uh, kind of peace. I mean like we all want the struggles of life to go away. And even more, we want to know that even when there's struggles in our lives, that it's going to be okay and we want to be able to find, we all want this, we want to be able to find peace inside that, that isn't based on what happens outside of us. We want peace that, that goes beyond everything being perfect because from the time we're like little, little, little kids, we know that everything on the outside is not going to be perfect. Our parents are going to fight. We're going to get in car accidents. The other early memory is my dad wouldn't pick me up at Disney, in Disneyland. And my dad won't pick me up in Disneyland. You know, like these things are going to happen. Life is not always going to be what we want it to be. And the people in the story that we're going to look at today, they were all searching for the exact same thing that you and I are searching for. They were all searching for peace. They all wanted peace. They all wanted things to be okay. They all wanted things to be good. They all wanted it to be all right. And we're going to find in our story that peace was right in front of them but they weren't looking for it in the right way. Now here's, here's what happens to us in this life. We get disappointed. We get disappointed because we think that we will find peace in a lot of different things. And then inevitably, those things let us down. We think, if I just get the right, the right romantic relationship, if I just date the right person, marry the right person, then I, I, will, I will find the peace that I have been looking for. I will find an inner satisfaction. I'll find a lack of fear. Everything will be all right. It will be okay. Everything will be normal. And the fears that I fear inside will go away. And then we get this romantic relationship. And, and then... <laughs> Everything seems the same after a little while. There might be a little bit of a time where you're like, oh, everything feels good, but after time, it's like I'm still dealing with the same struggles and the same fears and the same turmoil that I was before. Some people, it's like, as soon as I get that perfect job, my life will be fine, it will be good, and people strive. I know people like this. It's like when I get that job, and then they get that job, and it's like, well, when I get that job over there, then it'll be good, and, if, and then they get that job, and it's like, well, if I get that job, and I make just a little bit more money, and if I'm a little bit more successful at my work, and if I have a little bit more respect for my coworkers, and a little more power, and I don't have to listen to a boss, then, then I'll be at peace. And all those things can happen and people still are not at peace. I think a lot of people think when I'm at a certain age, whether it be when I'm done with high school or, or when I'm done with college or when I'm in my 30s, I'll settle down and things will be calmer. When I retire, then life will be peaceful and it will all be okay. And if you're retired, you know that we're wrong, right? I mean, because life never brings us that peace. The, the externals will never offer us the peace. Life will never be so good that, that we'll just 
feel great all the time. It's just never going to happen for us. And I'm coming up on 34 years old, and I'm just amazed at how every stage of life brings a new set of difficulties. Now, I'm always, I've always been a person. I, I have a leg up on you because just naturally the way I'm made, I've always thought that the time in life that I am is the best time in life. I always think that. Uh, I've 100% of the time, except for middle school, which was only two years for me, the rest of my life, every single year, I felt like this is the best and it's going to be worse when I get the next year. I always think it's going to get worse, but the best is right now. Um, but, but I found that every stage of my life brings like this new set of struggles. It's like we think that the next stage will bring us peace, but the next stage just brings us something else. It's like, well, when I get out of high school, I don't want to deal with these people anymore. And then you get to college, like, wow, college is pretty hard. And I'm stressed because I have a final and I'm writing 20-page papers and this is terrible. And, and, and so when I'm done with college, everything will be peaceful. And then it's like, oh, I have a job. Oh, this is not that peaceful. And there's people telling me what to do and I got to wake up every day and there's no skipping anymore. There was in college. That was a beautiful thing. Didn't have to show up. But now I can't skip or else I get fired and that's no good. And, and, and then there's marriage and marriage brings its whole other set of struggles. And now I have a young baby and that brings a whole other set of struggles and, and life just keeps moving. Uh, I mean, and, and things are always going to be stressful in every stage of life. And we have this story in front of us that tells us that we can have peace. Because we see that Jesus responds to this group of people. This is what the story is going to do for us. There's this group of people who want peace from him, but they are not looking for peace in the right way. And he offers this brilliant statement that we'll look at in a minute that says, look, there is a way to have peace. But it's probably not the way that you've been looking. So the story of Palm Sunday is a really fascinating story. And, and if you've been at our church on a, on a past Palm Sunday, you, you know that, that I believe the story is a little bit different than we normally kind of hear in church. And I've said this, I say this every year on Palm Sunday, that the, my only Palm Sunday memory is hitting beach balls at a church service once because we were celebrating Jesus' triumphant entry or triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so we were just hitting the beach balls. And I don't know what, uh, there may have been a sermon that day too. I'm gonna guess there was. There may have been songs, but I don't remember any of that. I just remember hitting beach balls and it was exciting and it was fun. And usually when we think about Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem, to thousands of people chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We think of all the happy stuff. But the story is really a story of mixed emotions. And I've said this before, and I'm, we'll read it in just a second. But Jesus enters into Jerusalem with people chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's all exciting. And the next thing we see is Jesus looking over the city crying. The next thing we see is Jesus quietly entering into the temple with just his disciples and no crowd. And then he goes back to the place where he's camping. It's like this weird kind of mixed emotions. And I was tipped off to this, this painting by Rembrandt this week. And uh, we'll put it up on the board for you. And I think it summarizes. And I'm stealing this from John Piper. This is a painting that he likes. But it summarizes very well. The story of Palm Sunday as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And I know you can't tell this when it's on a screen, but if you cover up one of Jesus' eyes, it's kind of a joyous, happy look. 
If you cover up the other eye, it looks like he is about to cry. You're, you're trying. This is funny. I should have put, brought a camera up here. Uh, but, but you can see it clearly. I can see it clearly here on my iPad that on one side he looks joyful and on the other side he looks sad. And when you look at both eyes, you see this painting that really represents this mixed emotion, this weird day that we call Palm Sunday where Jesus comes into Jerusalem and people are celebrating his entrance. But at the same time, he knows that he will die and he knows that these people are not looking for the peace that they desire in the right way. And here's the story in Luke 19, 28 through 35. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went on and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And it's the first instance of this kind of mixed, weird Sunday. It's, I think it's the weirdest day in Jesus' life in a lot of ways because they go get this colt, this donkey, and, and they throw their coats on it, and Jesus is going to ride it in Jerusalem. And, and it's interesting because it, it symbolizes in some ways that Jesus is king. But a king, history tells us, would have ridden in on a horse. And he would have ridden in with a lot more pomp and circumstance, a lot more excitement. He would have sent a parade on ahead of him. I don't know if you've seen the movie Aladdin, the old cartoon Aladdin, but when Prince Ali Ababa comes into town, when Aladdin's dressed up as the prince and the genie throws this whole elaborate parade to celebrate his entrance into the city that Jasmine rules over, that has escaped my mind right now, anybody? The city? A barebu, Arab, Agrabah, there it is in the back. The, the city of Agrabah, as he rides in, it's like dancing and, and, and dancers and flames and lots of stuff. And this would have been a more kingly entrance. So Jesus is declaring by getting on this donkey and having his, his disciples put these cloaks on him, I'm king, but it's not the entrance that a king deserved. It's kind of great and kind of sad. It's like that Rembrandt painting. And then in verses 36 through 38, it says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all, I want you to notice this, for all the miracles they had seen. They had seen. So here's these people who had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate this, this holiday called Passover that not many of us who are Christians or go to church celebrate uh, now, but Passover was a celebration of Jesus getting the people of Israel, a celebration of Jesus, a celebration by the Jews is what I meant to say, of the people of Israel being removed from Egypt and God passing over their households but killing the sons of the Egyptians so that they might be free from the tyranny that they were facing, the slavery they were facing in Egypt. And so Jewish people celebrated this. Many, most, would travel into Jerusalem. There'd be 
people all over the city of Jerusalem. I mean, it, it like went up in size in ways that we can't imagine. Uh, historians are not exact on how many people would have traveled to Jerusalem, but it like more than 10 times in size. Can you imagine that? If, if Portland went from like a million people to like 10 million people in a weekend because we were celebrating a holiday. I mean, when, that would be crazy, right? And, and that's what would happen in Jerusalem. Some people hear that Jesus is coming to town and so they go out to meet him. And they begin to chant at him and they lay their, their branches down before him. But it's important to notice the reason. The reason is not because they think Jesus is the savior of the world. The reason is not the reason that you and I celebrate Jesus today if you celebrate Jesus. It's not because they believe he's God or because he would save people from their sins. It's because they had seen him do awesome things. Specifically for these people, a couple of things had, had really stood out. One, Jesus had fed 5,000 people with just a handful of bread and some fish. And he had made it miraculously extend to thousands of people. And these people were like, free food. Free food, man. Let's anoint this guy king because look what we'll get out of it. And then, as we talked about last week, they had seen this guy named Lazarus, who was a tax collector and an enemy of the Jews, turn and repent and start to live his life for God. And they're thinking, if Jesus can turn a tax collector and, and a person who is an enemy of the Israelites and really an enemy of God, if he can turn a tax collector around, then boy, oh boy, we want this guy to be our king. And then they had seen Jesus raise a guy from the dead named Lazarus. And they have to be thinking, if he can raise people from the dead, then this is good because people die. And we want people to be raised from the dead. That's exciting. So these people, I just want you to notice this. These people are chanting because they believe that Jesus is going to bring them peace. He is going to make it so that they don't have to struggle for their food anymore. He is going to make it so that all their enemies are on their side. He is going to make it so that even the sickness that we face is no longer a fear because he can get us out of the grave. You see how you can connect there? Isn't that what we want from God so often? God, as long as you make everything right, I'll tell you how great you are. As long as I'm not sick, as long as I have the job I want, as long as my enemies disappear and don't cause problems for me anymore, as long as my family is at peace and there's no turmoil or fighting, as long as I get what I want and I feel as good as I want to feel, then Jesus, I will praise and serve you. They chanted, in fact, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice, notice, look at the next phrase here. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace all over the place. Peace has come to us. This is an exciting moment. But it's for all the wrong reasons. They are looking at Jesus and going, this guy has finally brought us the inner peace and the outer peace that we want. He has shown up. He has made things right. And now I can feel good. And so I will celebrate him. Pharisees don't like it because they don't like Jesus. In fact, the Pharisees, 
Jesus is causing them nothing but trouble because he doesn't fit their mold. They had, they had given the Jewish people this picture of what the coming king would look like, the one who would set things right for the Jewish people. They had given them this picture of what it would be like and Jesus didn't fit their picture at all. And in fact, Jesus butted heads with them constantly. And so they don't have any peace. They're, they're in fact feeling quite the opposite they're thinking if we could just shut this guy up if we could make this guy go away if we could arrest this guy if we could kill this guy then I would have a level of peace I had peace before he showed up life was pretty good I was telling people what to do I was on my religious high horse I was feeling great about myself things were awesome people liked me people respected me I got their money it was awesome and now he's shown up and I don't have peace In fact, I'm pretty stressed out about what's gonna happen if he becomes king because I'm one of his enemies. And so what do they do? They don't lay their coats down. They don't lay palm branches down before Jesus. They don't cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They say this, where it says this in Luke 19, 39 and 40, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people who don't like what Jesus is doing, they're not noticing that Jesus had fed people or raised people from the dead or, or changed a tax collector in a good way. They're recognizing it as, as an affront to what they stand for and what they want. And so instead of crying out to Jesus, instead of celebrating Palm Sunday, they loathe it. Shut these people up. Stop this madness because this is not bringing me peace. Now the Pharisees and the crowd, they all wanted the same thing. The religious leaders and the people that are chanting, they all want what we want. They want to feel good. They want to know that it's going to be okay. They want peace. And then this happens. Verses 41 through 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is an incredible scene. I mean, can you imagine just back there, thousands of people celebrating and I get to hear and I start crying even if it's just me, right? But it's Jesus. But I mean, even if it's just me, just a normal person, even if it's just that, it's a crazy scene and uh, there's a spot in Jerusalem where they, they say this happens and, and I don't know if you're aware of this but when you come into Jerusalem you come off a hill and uh, I don't know how to say this I'm going to mess this all up but like Dominus Flevit is the name that they have given to this spot and here's the picture just uh, from where Jesus would have been looking down they think and it makes some sense given the geography and so Jesus leaves the crowds behind him and he stops at this spot and he weeps And as he weeps, he says, and I want you to notice it, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. 
Here's the thing. Peace, this thing that we all want, is a major part of the story of Jesus. The New Testament, where we learn about Jesus, the Gospels even, the writings of Paul, they talk about peace over and over and over and over and over again, and it's connected to Jesus. But the difference is, the difference is that the peace that the Gospels and the New Testament present to us is not the peace that we want. It is not the absence of strife. But it is something that's internal, that cannot be hindered by what we deal with, that does not change if we have enough food or not enough food, that does not change if our parents fight or don't fight, that does not change if we have the best job or the worst job. It doesn't change. The peace that the New Testament gives us goes above and beyond our circumstances. There's really four ways that the New Testament talks about the peace that Jesus brings to us. The peace that these people could have had if they would have recognized Jesus for who he was. The first is internal peace. Peace that transcends all understanding as it is stated and somewhere else in the New Testament. Peace that goes beyond any circumstance. A peace that allows us to face struggle and hurt and pain and turmoil and discord and still walk away going, it's going to be okay. The Bible tells us that in Jesus there is peace. But it's not peace that says everything's going to be okay. It's peace that's inside of us. And the Bible tells us, Paul and Jesus tell us that in Jesus we can find peace with God. That's another kind of peace. In fact, Jesus came that there might be peace between us and God. The Bible says that before Jesus came, there was only discord. We were, in fact, enemies of God. But Jesus came in order that we might be reconciled to God and there might be peace between us and him. We were not allowed, we were not able to enter into the presence of God. We were not able to be part of the family of God, but Jesus came The Bible says that we can have peace with others through Jesus. So much of what is happening in our world, the fighting, the struggles, specifically in our country, but all around our world, can be solved in Jesus. That's what the Bible declares for us. And the Bible says we can have eternal peace. That even when we die, we get to live the rest of time, eternity, in peace. Perfect peace unadulterated peace without pain, sorrow, or tear. You see, Jesus brings peace. I mean, in John 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and not be afraid. I mean, Jesus even said, he's literally about to walk to Jerusalem and and have this triumphant entry when he says that in John 14. But he says to his disciples, hey, by the way, I want you to know what I'm giving to you. I'm giving you my peace. In John, or excuse me, in Ephesians 2.17, it says, he came and preached, talking about Jesus, peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Philippians 4, 7, which I've already alluded to, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what you need to know. Jesus came into Jerusalem. Jesus came into the world. He came from heaven to earth in order that we might have peace. But by peace, he did not mean 
an absence of struggle outside of us. He did not come to this earth the first time so that all death would go away, so that you would always have food, so that nobody would fight, so that everything would be the perfect way that you want it to be. But he did come so that despite that, you might have internal peace, peace with God, peace with others, and eternal peace as well. And Jesus looks at these people and says, I mean, cry, think about this. He, he's standing on that hill looking down to the city and he's crying, saying, if you would just have known that I would bring you peace, not in the way that you wanted it, not because I would turn every tax collector away from the error of their ways, not because I would give you all, all of the food that you needed, not because I would overthrow the Romans who are oppressing them, not because I would do everything that you want, but because I could do something even greater that would allow you to have peace despite it all. If you would have recognized it, it would have been good. If even you would have recognized it. But you didn't. And it's not going to go well for you because you didn't. In fact, he says Jerusalem would be dashed to the ground. And and here's what history tells us Jerusalem was. Dashed to the ground. In 70 AD, Josephus says this, and truly, that's a historian, by the way, if that doesn't mean anything to you, a historian, a Jewish historian who lived at the time said this, and truly, the very view itself was a melancholy thing. For those places which were adorned with trees and pleasant gardens were now become desolate country every way, and in its trees were all cut down, nor could any foreigner that had formerly seen Judea and the most beautiful suburbs of the city and now saw it as a desert but lament and mourn sadly at so great a change. For the war had laid all signs of beauty quite waste. Nor had anyone who had known the place before had come on it sudden now would have known it again. See what this historian says? Jerusalem was so ransacked by the Romans. It was so utterly destroyed that if you had been there before and had come back 10 years later... After this had happened, you would not have even recognized it anymore. One man, Titus, he claimed the victory did not come through his own efforts. This is the guy that was in charge of it. And he says, this victory over Jerusalem did not come because I was more powerful or strong than the Jews. But that it merely served as an instrument of God's wrath. Josephus went as far as to claim that 1.1 million people were killed as the Romans came into Jerusalem and destroyed the city. Now Titus thought it was a punishment of God. I won't go that far looking back. But either way, what Jesus is saying is that you could have had peace that would have gone above and beyond all of it. You could have peace that transcended all understanding and you could have found it in me. And that's exactly what he says at the end of this passage. He says, here's the reason that you didn't have peace. And this is important because I think all of you want peace. And Jesus says the reason that they did not have the peace that they wanted, peace that would transcend understanding, peace that would go beyond circumstances, here's the reason they did not recognize the time of God's coming here's what jesus had declared clearly very clearly he had declared that he was god he had said i am god to these people and i've come to you 
And the people rejected that. In fact, when Jesus said it most clearly in the story of his life, the people immediately picked up stones in order to kill him, to throw stones. They picked him up to throw them at him in order to kill him. And as Jesus enters the city and he looks down and he cries, he's saying, hey, the reason that you don't have the peace that you desire, peace that's on the inside, the reason that you don't have the peace with God that you desire, the reason that you don't have the peace with each other that you desire, and the reason that you do not have peace to look forward to in eternity, the peace that you desire for eternity, is because you didn't recognize that I am God and I had come to you. That's what he says. Luke 1, 68, we read this, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because, this is talking about Jesus, right after his birth, because he has come to his people and has redeemed him. In Luke 7, 16, it says this, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said, notice this, God has come to help his people. They knew that God had come in the form of Jesus, but they rejected him. They wanted him to do exactly what they wanted him to do, and he didn't, and so they rejected him. And the same crowd that would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, peace everywhere, would chant, crucify him, crucify him, just a handful of days later. And it's because they did not recognize that God had shown up in their midst. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the righteousness that he wanted to bring. They rejected, therefore, his peace. And he cries over the city. And he knows that punishment will come upon them. And here's the choice that Palm Sunday leaves for us. Listen to me. This is the choice that Palm Sunday leaves for us. Look up here. Listen to this choice that you and I have. It's the same choice that these people had. You either recognize the time of God's coming to you, which may be this morning. God may be calling you to him. You recognize the time of God's coming to you or you face destruction. Eternally, really. There are only two choices. You take Jesus and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The one who offers you salvation, we know because he would die at the hands of these people and rise again and you accept that peace or you ultimately face punishment. And Jesus knew for many of these people as they encountered him and walked with him and hung out with him and saw his miracles, they rejected the time of God's coming to them and therefore they rejected the peace that he offered and it was going to end terribly for them. Many would die, many would die just 40 years later. Brutal deaths and they would never, ever, 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 ever know the peace that Jesus was offering. I want you to understand, this is, this is just the understanding that you get to choose, you just, just pick, you have to pick a side. You can recognize that Jesus is coming, has come to you and he's, he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to forgive your sins and he wants to offer you peace that goes beyond the things that you face in this life. And you can recognize that and you can give your life to Jesus or, or you can never have peace and you can face eternal destruction. John Piper said it this way, oh, that you would accept God's terms of peace. You see, we want our own terms. 
We want Jesus to do exactly what we want him to do. And if he will, this is the attitude that some of you have. And I know if Jesus will do what I want him to do, then I'll be at peace and I'll give him myself. If Jesus will do exactly what I think should be done, then I'll give him my life, sure. And I'll experience peace. But Jesus says, if you will give him your life, then, then you can experience peace. Here's the question. Do you only want a piece of what Jesus offers or do you want the peace that Jesus offers? Do you just want a piece of what Jesus offers or do you want the peace that Jesus offers? These people all wanted, that were chanting and, and crying out to him and laying down their palm turns, they all wanted a piece of what he offered. They wanted some of the benefits, some of the miracles. They liked the idea of being part of his kingdom. They liked what he could give them. They liked a lot about Jesus. But that's not the choice that Jesus gives. He says, do you want a piece of what I can give or do you want the peace that I can give? And this morning, I know there's two types of people in front of me. I think all of you would fit into these categories. At least a little bit. There's some of you who will not give your life to Jesus. And right now, you, you have rejected, you are rejecting God's coming to you because you know you're sitting here, you're in church, you've heard about Jesus, you, you know the story of Jesus, maybe that he came, he died, he rose again. You've even felt the call of Jesus on your life. Jesus saying, hey, I want a relationship with you. And you don't know what that is exactly, but somewhere inside of you, you know that Jesus has called you into his kingdom and you've rejected him. And many of you maybe have rejected Jesus because he hasn't given you the life that you wanted Jesus to give and you're holding it over Jesus' head or you're rejecting Jesus because you're like, hey, you, Jesus, you only gave me a little bit of good stuff. You didn't give me everything I wanted. And if you would just give me the peace that I desire, then I would give you my life. If you would just give me exactly what I want and you would give me all that I need, then I would give you my life. And so you are actively rejecting the calling of God upon your life because you don't like how God's treated you. And I tell you, I tell you, if you want peace, then give your life to Jesus. And then there's others of you, and we, we alluded to this last week, but I think this is just a little bit different this morning. And, and, and it's this. You like Jesus. You might be a Christian. Think Jesus is good. You like all that Jesus offers. But you haven't given Jesus your entire life. And so you don't experience all the peace that he has for you. In fact, I would say it this way. You have given Jesus a piece of your life. And so you are not experiencing the peace that he has offered to you. Here's what I have found. This is just true for me and I think it's true for a lot of people I know too. The areas of our lives that we give to Jesus are the areas of our lives where we experience true peace that is not affected by our circumstances. It's the pieces of our lives that we hold back, that we say, Jesus, I'm gonna take control of this and I'm gonna hold on to this and you, you got your thing and you can have my Sunday mornings and you can have, you can have uh, my prayer time, but you don't get this. That's the area where we don't get true peace. Peace. 
And so this morning, I think there's some of you who, who are rejecting Jesus. But there's others of you who are rejecting Jesus in just parts of your life. And you go, wait, I want peace that transcends all understanding. I want peace that goes beyond my circumstance, but I don't feel it. And I believe it's because you're holding on to that area of your life. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, the guy faced so much. I mean, he had rocks thrown at him to kill him, but he lived. He was kicked out of cities. None of you have had that happen to you, right? I mean, the guy wandered around the countryside looking for places to stay. He had people leave his ministry and reject him. He had churches that he had planted that had had just turned into just giant messes. I mean, people getting drunk before they came to church. I mean, just terrible things. And yet, throughout the New Testament, he over and over and over just declares that he has joy and peace and hope. And I believe it's because he had given Jesus his entire life. And personally, here's what I want you to know. Every area of my life, where I've said, Jesus, you can just have this. I have peace that goes against, that goes above and beyond all circumstances. Uh, some of you know this and some of you don't, but after church last week, um, my grandma, who's over here somewhere, uh, she uh, decided to become a sermon illustration and, and she passed out. Um, and, and we honestly thought she was dying. I, I say it with a semi-smile now because she's not dead only. But we, I thought I was going to be doing CPR on my grandma right back there. Most of you had left. Uh, we went to the hospital. And it's so funny to me. Not that part, but. Uh, because I love Jesus, because I have this hope in Jesus, because I know my grandma's a Christian. I was sad. I was, I was even scared. But I promise you, as my uncle and I sat in an emergency room, uh, waiting room, that I was at peace. She could have died. She could have had surgery. And I would have been heartbroken about all that. But there was peace. And it's because I've given Jesus my life. He can take my grandma anytime. And I'll still love him and I'll still serve him and I'll see her someday. I'll be okay. And I think it's because if you go back in my life, I saw that life, I just look at me and trust me on this. Life is never going to be easy. There will always be hardships no matter what age you're at, no matter what girlfriend you have, no matter uh, what job you have, no matter how successful you become, there will always be difficulties. And if you want anything that resembles peace, it's only going to come from recognizing God's coming to you in the person of Jesus. And so I'll say one more time, one more time. Do not just want a piece of what Jesus gives you, but give yourself to Jesus so that you can have peace. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for these people in front of me, God, everyone listening. And I ask, Lord, that they would give their entire lives to you, that there would be no area that they would hold back, Lord. There would be no part of them that they keep from you, God. And I pray that, Lord, because I want to see you glorified and honored. But I also pray that, God, because I want to see them have peace. I want to see them have joy even, God. Um, and so, Lord, I pray.
for these people. And I ask God that whether they're holding back their entire lives from you or just portions of their life, just pieces of their life, God, that this morning you would convict them and you would call them again into a deeper and better relationship with you. And, and then maybe this morning, God, for the first time or for the hundredth time, they would recognize God's coming into their life as you call them, Lord, deeper into you, God. And I pray that no person would leave here, God, holding anything back from you. Jesus, I love you. And I pray these things in your holy name. Amen.